You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Hi, I'm Kent Hunter, founder of Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this podcast series. Our subject, real churches, real challenges, and real solutions. In this series, we'll explore challenging issues that are front and center in four of today's American congregations. These issues include, number one, how to replace a retiring pastor. Number two, how to reach unchurched people in this secular society. Number three, how do you get a church off the plateau and move toward growth. And number four, how do you deal with the cumbersome decision-making process that chokes progress in most churches? We'll be talking with ministry leaders from Whitefish, Montana, Cincinnati, Ohio, Sterling Heights, Michigan, and Hudson, Wisconsin. Welcome to this episode of Real Churches, Real Challenges, Real Solutions. My guest for this episode is Todd Stocker. He's the pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church uh, in Hudson, Wisconsin. I just uh, really look forward to this particular episode because we're going to deal with an issue that I think is so important for every church, even every denomination. So in this episode, we're going to look at how do you deal with the cumbersome decision-making process that chokes progress in so many churches. And I want you to be thinking about that as we get a chance to uh, converse here uh, with Todd. Uh, Todd, first I want to ask you, I heard you speak at um, a conference called Best Practices in Phoenix, but we didn't meet there. Uh, how did you come to know about our ministry and how did we connect? Do you, do you remember? Yeah, I do. Um, the uh, the conference was a couple of years ago, and at that time in the conference, you know, there was I think was two thousand or so people there, and and in our our swag bag that we all got with pens and and promotional material, um, there was this book called "Who Broke My Church," and I thought, wow, what a what a title! So. After the conference, I, I, we had a couple of days vacation, my wife and I, and we, we sat by the poolside, and I didn't have anything else to read, so I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just grab this book that I got for free, and uh, read through it literally in about a day and a half, and it's just the, the words, the message, the retooling of church and what that what, what church means, um, it just spoke to my heart. And we were in the process at our church of kind of figuring out how we do governance and ministry on a different level. And so that's kind of how it all began, through that, through the book and through our connection uh, from there, connected with uh, you and with Tracy on that. Yeah, that's, that's right. You, you called uh, and talked to, to Tracy, and uh, you were, I, I think, uh, focused pretty much on your church governance at the time. But if I remember right, she... She wanted to uh, uh, encourage you to take a, a bigger look at your entire congregation and uh, suggested that your church uh, participate uh, in a uh, church uh, doctor diagnostic consultation 
before you uh, focused on your governance. Um, and uh, did she mention to you uh, why she thought that was important? Yeah, uh, as we had, we had a couple of different conversations, and um, we, at the point that, that Tracy and I connected, our church, our leadership teams were looking at vision and mission and really didn't really have a direction as to, you know, we were going through business SWOT analysis and the whole bit, and uh, Tracy talked through some of the things that Church Doctor Ministries could do in, in terms of doing the diagnostic. Um, and uh, it was really very wise because, we, like I said, we didn't have any stated vision or mission. Uh, we, we didn't celebrate what God was doing, which was actually a really huge eye-opener after the consultation. Uh, and uh, we, we didn't, hadn't identified what we do well, what we need to tweak, what we just need to throw away. Uh, and and our, our mission, vision statements, and who we were um, didn't even really include making disciples. I mean, it, was, it wasn't stated, or it, it just was, we were just floundering. <laughs> And it was such a helpful process too. It's it's kind of like you don't you know you don't do a you don't come up with a governance model on how to make ice cream for Home Depot. <laughs> you know you don't want you don't want to make come up with a process for making decisions if you don't know the what the direction of the decision should be. So we had to we had to really get the whole church. We're, we're a complex place. We have two campuses two completely different cultures and styles. So we had to really come together and say, what are the, the overarching ministries um, and health of our congregation first, get that in alignment, and then figure out how do we make decisions to feed that alignment and the vision and mission moving forward. You know, I, I remember uh, it, I was fortunate Tracy asked me to come along in that consultation and and we, we both worked at it because of your two campuses. And one of my assignments that um, was my part of the consultation, one of my parts was the uh, to read all your documents about uh, your constitution and uh, how you have uh, these boards and these different things. And, and uh, it just struck me that this is sort of, it seemed to me like a compilation of years of add-ons and, whoever had the next best idea. And I, I don't mean to be critical about that because actually that's what we see in most churches. And it just seems uh, dumbfounding to me that, that so many churches, and quite frankly even some denominations, uh, just have a corporate model borrowed from the secular world to uh, make decisions at a church. And, and so uh, I was really excited when we came back and followed up with the church governance consultation. Can you describe how uh, you and some of the folks that worked on that reacted on that and maybe bring us up to date as to uh, what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you, you nailed it, too, because it, our Constitution and, and all of the documents were like little, like you see a, a, an old house and all these different rooms kind of added on as things went along. That's, that's what our Constitution was. Um, and most recent constitution was in reaction to um, some bad pastoral leadership in the past. They're not as effective. And so, um, yeah, c coming in with doing the governance model, I, I had never worked under a policy-based governance model, and I thought that was the way that we should be doing our ministry. But yet even 
as as we've talked and as I've been doing some studying on policy basics, that still is also very corporate feeling. Um, if, if that's the key way to make decisions, is just primarily based on policy. So, uh, so coming in and doing the, the governance piece, all of our leadership was really excited about it because it's just we we knew that we need this uh, a better and really a biblical way to make decisions, and so that's that's what uh, you and Tracy helped us see and, and get through, and and we're actually this is our first month uh, diving into it. So we have gone from the traditional we're a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod uh, congregation, and and as you said, Kent, most of our congregations have um, the committees, and each person from the committee of representative reports to the main board of elders or board of directors or whatever you want to call them and um that that's we're we're such a, a large and complex place now that that just doesn't work it, it just bogs down the whole system and so now we have we're stepping into uh having our main team called um, spiritual leadership team which focuses on vision uh we have a discipleship team which is kind of the the internal, how do we help people grow and make disciples within our church? We have our staff who is actually uh, leading, making decisions uh, within the teams. And then our management team, which supports the vision of where we feel God is leading us. So those are kind of the four key core teams that we have. And different from where we were before, we had it flipped. We had it where, can we afford this? Well, no, then we can't do it. Uh, and then we looked at spiritual stuff. Now it's where, instead of the money leading us, it's where, where do we sense God, Holy Spirit, guiding and directing? You know, it's like that, that verse in the New Testament where Paul says, well, it seems right for the Holy Spirit and to us to go this way. And so that's, that's what we're stepping into currently. Right now, um, we're putting it all together that there's a lot of questions and, and a lot of questions that won't be answered until we're actually meeting in these these kinds of teams with this kind of mindset. So really excited about it. And our, our board of directors, uh, which is now a spiritual life uh, leadership team, uh, has really, really kind of – there's still a lot of questions for sure, but um, excited about trying it out for a year and seeing, seeing how it goes. You know uh, – over the years uh, that I've consulted churches, somewhere along the line, it was a couple decades ago, I, I just kept coming up with this reality that one of the things that I see in most every church, and it's not just Lutheran churches like yours, but I mean even in, in other kinds of churches across the board, um, just a, a stumbling block or a roadblock in the area of decision-making and I keep uh, interviewing people that say, you know, congregational meetings are one of the reasons they don't attend them anymore is because it brings out the worst in people and people are, get emotional and, and all these things. And I, I just um, I, I thought, you know, there ought to be a chapter in the Bible uh, about how to organize a Christian church. And uh, actually, there isn't a chapter. I'm not criticizing God or the Bible, but there isn't a chapter. And, you know, but it, it took me 13 years of uh, continuous uh, on and off between other speaking engagements and consultations and things like that. But 
I worked on it for 13 years, just searching the scriptures to to find those bits and pieces to uh, the answer to the question, how should Christians work with each other to make decisions? And that's a powerful, powerful question. And and so uh, I, I just, it took a long time, and I was actually surprised that there are some books that that help me that touch a little bit on this or a little bit on that, but nothing comprehensive. And and, and we put those pieces together for this um, this consultation. And I think, um, in truth, we're still refining it as we go. Anytime we learn something new, we'll add that or or, or shine it up a little bit more and make it a little bit more clear. But um, it just seems to me that we have, as Christians, generally. Uh, and this may be true not only of, of uh, the church here in America, but also the church in Europe as well, and maybe somewhere else. Um, a lot of churches just swallow this corporate model that's all around us in the in the world world, but in the church world we kind of try to apply that, and um, it it just uh, doesn't work. And when you mentioned that verse that you know it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to us. Uh, I think if, if some pastors were to say that in some churches, people would laugh at it if, if they didn't know that it's an actual verse from Scripture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I, it's interesting. I, I actually don't don't necessarily blame people because the church is, as you know, the church is the only, quote, institution in humankind, in humanity, that is both organization and organism. And unless you're working in a church and, and um, you know, within that within that umbrella, the only frame of reference for making decisions is, is your work world, especially in America, the corporate work world. And so, you know, we we, we in the church have a bad uh, policy or a bad idea of saying, hey, this guy runs his own business. He's going to be good on the church board. Uh, and you know, he's shown in the name spiritual leadership board just because he can run a business, not based on his spiritual gifts or, or his heart or passion for, um, you know, for the things of God. And so it's just, it's just he's a breathing body, and, and let's just form our governance that way. And um, I get it. And so it's a, it's a hard mental or mindset to change. Um, and we're, we're finding that now uh, in our church as well. But uh, slowly but surely, it, you know, it takes take time um, as we step into the governance, uh, people are, are really kind of getting it. So. Yeah, I, can't tell you. I can't tell you how many times I have uh, been in a church with a consultation and um, one of the, the big challenges that no one really wants to talk about, except they'll talk privately to the consultant, about some people on the board who are uh, really great leaders of the church, have a heart for serving the church and all that sort of thing, but are not very steeped in Scripture. And, and so they they come from their only frame of reference, like you said, their business, but lack the frame of reference of being deep in Scripture, even though they, they love the church, they love the Lord, they, they worship regularly, and we put them on the board, and they come from the only frame of reference where they're experts, and they they subconsciously bring that into the discussion in not only what they say but how how we go about making decisions. 
So then we came up, and you heard us do this uh, when we did the consultation for your church governance, talking about selecting people that have a lifestyle that demonstrates high involvement in Scripture. There are people that not only come to church, but are maybe in a Bible class or a small group Bible study, and, and their pattern of life, their, their physical testimony, shows that they are people that are lifelong learners in Scripture. doesn't matter whether they've been doing that for five years or 50 years, but they are people that their modus operandi, that what they're going to do is they're going to look to Scripture rather than a document that might have bylaws or reference rules of order or something like that. It's a different frame of reference. Well, how do you think that kind of description uh, was was uh, uh, accepted or or how what kind of a struggle that might have been even with some of the folks that have been working on your church governance? It's <laughs> Next question. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's a touchy one. Well, especially especially for us right now because we're we're in the the transition phase of getting that first team, that first spiritual leadership team. So what what I've been doing is meeting individually with each of the the members of the current what what we used to be called board of directors, and talking through the model and and really seeing saying to them what is God telling you about being on this team, and and really starting there to see if if they have been praying about it. We've already had one person self-select off saying, I just, I, this, this isn't me. Um, because of that, that depth of scripture, um, he's, he's old in the church, but young in, in faith kind of thing. Um, so it, 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 it's, uh, it's been interesting. The, the, uh, the conversations or the assumptions that people are taking is that, well, I, I must not be spiritual enough to be on this team. Um, and the ones that are humble and, and really questioning it are probably the people that are the perfect people to be on the team. Uh, so that's, that's why these conversations I'm having now are so, so key, just to say, hey, you know, these are the criteria. How are you feeling about this as this team goes forward? And, and, it's, it's going to be messy for us this first transitional period at this first time, but as the, the years go on in this model, um, it'll be very obvious as to who should be on that team or who could be on that team and the discipleship process of being on the team itself. So it, it's been, yeah, it, it, it hasn't been all bunnies and sunshine for sure. <laughs> but, um, but people, you know, people are a little, they're, I, I, we're trying in the conversations to really calm people's fears of saying, hey, there might just be a different place for you in our body to, to move the mission forward, and it might not be on this spiritual leadership team level, um, on the governance level. So it, it's kind of walking with kit gloves a little bit, but um, so far it's, it's, been, it's been okay. So this person that opted out, I, you know, I think that every pastor is going to have some people like that. Given our history of gathering people from the corporate world, with or without uh, deep knowledge of scripture, so how do you, as a pastor, deal with that person? Um, we don't want to run people out of the church, and we don't want to insult people. It's a tender issue. So can you give us some guidance about, like, how do you 
how do you work with uh, those kind of people? Um, is is there a, a, a formula that you have found that pastorally works uh, and and helps people that they don't we don't just turn them off? Sure. Yeah. Well, the first thing was is before I met, I'll just use this person um, as an example. Before I met with this person, uh, as I've done with everybody, I looked at what their spiritual gifts are, uh, and and I just and I I in my mind pretend, if you will, that they won't be on that team. And then I always think of two or three other places within the ministry that their gifts would fit and they would be powerfully serving the mission and the vision. And so. In my conversation with this person, then after I knew um, this person's uh, lifestyle and what what this person does in terms of his work uh, and also his spiritual gifts, um, in the conversation, the phraseology was simply, I'm sure that there's another team that really could benefit from what you would have to offer. That's kind of what I use as a a formula, if you will, but never just saying, well, you're you're off this team. Always offering other options within the ministry for them to get plugged in because you know most most people I think all people really want to serve the church the best they can and don't like it when they don't feel like they're contributing. So I don't know if that helps at all, but that, that's been and, useful and, for me so far. And what are you seeing as a result? Is uh, this type of a person uh, not feel alienated but still feel loved and and uh, helping to find a place in the church? Yeah, and that they, they are. This person uh, feels they, they connected more on the hands-on um, building and grounds kind of team because that's what this person loves to do anyway. Uh, and but my job as a pastor is to is to elevate and show that every single person and position in the church is important. It, it takes all of us. Uh, kind of the priesthood of all believers idea. Um, and uh, that every role is a servant role. And so me casting that vision, not only just to this person individually, but to our church as a whole, um, you know, it's the, it's the parts of the body kind of thing. Even though you don't see the heart, uh, you know, your heart is pretty important to the body. <laughs> so um, so it's incumbent on me to cast the vision of the importance of every person and, and the ministry that God puts people in at all kinds of different, quote, levels within the church. You know, uh, this sort of relates to another biblical principle that I did not learn at the seminary when I was going through school. Uh, I don't know, maybe I missed the class or slept through it or something, but I never really learned much about spiritual gifts uh, and, until I went on to graduate school and and learned about uh, how in several different places in the New Testament, spiritual gifts sort of are God's way of uh, giving us special assignment sections of the church and and uh, ways to serve. Um, I don't know why churches don't help people to discover their gifts. In fact, I was just reading a book by Paul Pearson. He's a former missionary that wrote a book on the the history of Christianity from a missionary perspective. And he was saying in there that every time there's a renewal or revival of the church, when uh, churches sort of come alive at a way to really reach people for Jesus in an effective approach, uh, two doctrines, you mentioned one of them, uh, one of the teachings is the uh, priesthood of all believers, and the other one was spiritual gifts, which 
sort of activates people for their place as uh, the priesthood of all believers. Um, the spiritual gifts uh, have something to do with that for this person or other people uh, in your church? Yeah, for sure. Um, we, uh, before my time, I've been at, at uh, Trinity for eight years. Before my time, uh, when our church, actually, it's funny, Dan, you mentioned growth and, and renewal, but the last time our church had that kind of thing was spiritual gifts was at the, at the forefront. Um, everybody had taken spiritual gifts inventories and, and surveys and, and all of that, and we're actually actively, the staff at that point was actively putting people into ministry um, through a couple of different circumstances that, uh, that, that kind of waned, and so we're getting back to it, and people are, have been taking the spiritual gifts uh, inventories that we offer and letting us know what those are. And uh, it, it, for this person specifically, uh, he knew that his gift, uh, spiritual gift, could be used. Um, he, his high spiritual gift was health, and uh, he, he knew that, that doing the hands-on kind of work um, was a better fit than sitting in a, in a meeting uh, once a month and, and praying and being in Scripture. So, um, yeah, definitely the spiritual giftedness. Uh, was a, for him was a very key part of that. And again, pastorally before that meeting, for me to know his gifts uh, really helped me to be able to get him placed into a place where, where he could thrive and God could use him in amazing, amazing ways. Well, it does seem like when you find your spiritual gifts, I know for me as a pastor, when I learned about spiritual gifts, I was pastoring a church, and uh, I learned uh, what gifts I had, but it was just about as useful for me to find out what gifts I didn't have. I discovered I, I discovered why I wasn't a very good counselor. You know, when people come to get married, you know, you, you I mean, most pastors do this. I'm sure you do too. You're supposed to counsel them a little bit. And and uh, my gifts are more in teaching than in, in counseling. And so when I discovered that, I, I used the pastor down the road at a, at a fellow church uh, down the road that... Uh, was part of my denomination, and I, he, he had the gift of counseling, so he counseled all nine uh, people that wanted to get married, and, and along with the ones that wanted to get married in his church, uh, but then I, I did the teaching part in preparation for marriage, and he, he didn't want to do that, so we, we discovered because of our gifts, we found our sweet spots, and, and we just did a team approach, and uh, for me, that was liberating to know uh, not only what my gifts were, but also I didn't have to keep beating myself up for where I didn't have gifts. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that is, you know, when you say pastor to, to people, uh, even at the seminary, there, there's just certain things that pastors do. Um, and, in fact, one of my lowest I, – I share this in our new, new member class um, – one of my lowest spiritual gifts is the spiritual gift of pastor. Now, you know and I know that that actually means shepherding, um, and uh, so I'm, I'm with you, and counseling is kind of plays in there. I've, I've never, I've, I, can, I can do biblical encouragement, um, because it kind of falls under the teaching role as well. I can lead um, administration as part of mine as well, but in terms of the, the, the long-term counseling kind of thing, um, yeah, I'm with you. That's not one of my top gifts either. So, do you have certain gift mix areas that you look for when you are building this new uh, decision-making group? 
Yeah, there's part of the governance process with church soccer ministries. We did, um, and, and obviously you were you were part of this too. We went through um, some some spiritual gifts that we would that we could see biblically in terms of, of what would be needed to follow the spirit. Faith obviously is one of them. Intercessory prayer, um, if, if you consider that a spiritual gift, um, discernment, um, mercy was actually on on part of them too. So there there are. Um, there's a list that we have as kind of a template that that we look for, or that we're going to be looking for as we build out that team. And the other part, too, is not every member has to have all of those gifts. They just have to be represented on our spiritual leadership team um, as a whole. We came up with about, uh, our number is seven, seven people that we're going to start with. Um, our current board of directors is 11, so we're, we're, kind of doing some whittling and, and moving around the people, but uh, again, that's all based on those gifts. Would you encourage, uh, we have many pastors that listen as well as leaders of churches on these episodes. I'm just wondering if you would encourage them to do anything if they feel a bit mired in the uh, Robert's Rules of Order world um, about uh, about their governance. Uh, to, it should make, what would you say to those people who uh, just once in a while wonder, like a lot of them, a lot of people do in churches, is this the best way to make decisions? Yeah, I, I, I think I, my, my gut reaction to that would be to bring up that question among your leadership team, whether you call it a board of elders or board of directors or, or whatever, but just just start by bringing it up um, and having an honest, open-heart conversation uh, at one of the meetings. Is the way we do governance or the way we make decisions, is this really the best way? Is this the best way that we can do it? I think if, if the Holy Spirit is in it, um, that question is going to, you know, Joe across the table is going to go, you know what, I just have been feeling the same thing. Um, we, we are bogging down. We're not moving forward. Uh, and I, I think oftentimes churches, maybe not church leaders, but churches have that gut feeling that, man, we could just, we're, our church isn't horrible. It's not bad. Or actually, can't, this is in the book. So, you know, we, that sense of, it's not that I dislike my church, but no, we just don't feel like we're moving forward at all. Um, oftentimes it does start with that, that governance. Um, one of the benefits that we have found, even already, is that the, the conversations and the decisions that used to come up to the board of directors, now the spiritual leadership team, for decisions, those decisions now are being pushed down the chain, if you will, allowing these other teams the, the autonomy to make the decisions uh, in consultation with, with other people, obviously. But um, So it, it really keeps the vision piece where it should be, and that's at that key team, the spiritual leadership. Well, Todd, I want to thank you for being part of this uh, episode, and uh, I'd like to pray for your church before we finish here. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, Lord, I, I thank you for uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in uh, Hudson, Wisconsin, and for Todd, and, and for all of those who are part of his uh, staff and, and this leadership team. Uh, Lord, this is a, a great church, and, and I thank you for uh, the blessings and the strengths that are part of this church in two places, 
in two locations, and yet just a, a great, great ministry in so many ways. I thank you for the gifts uh, that you've given to Todd and other leaders there, and I just pray that you uh, would continue to bless that church and uh, bless this governance process as it uh, unfolds and as they tweak it here and there and make it even better, and I just pray that uh, that will be a real blessing to their effectiveness as they reach people for Jesus. And uh, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.